0: Hey moms, before we jump in today, I want to make sure you know that Giving Tuesday is coming up on November 28th. Did you know that Gather Moms is a nonprofit? We are here because of your generosity. This Giving Tuesday, we are asking 50 moms to donate $50. When you donate, you'll be entered to win from our amazing prizes, including a weekend getaway to Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Click on the link in our show notes to give or go to givingtuesday.com and search for Gather Moms. Thanks in advance for your generosity. Now let's jump into the show.
1: Hello, Mamas. Welcome back to the Gather Moms podcast. We're so excited to have you here during our season called Mind Your Motherhood. Y'all, we have the biggest blessing today, special guests from the Birds and Bees Ministry, Megan and Mary Flo. Ladies, we are so excited to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us.
0: We're excited to be here. Well, we wanted to talk to you about, you know, as we're talking about being in seasons of motherhood, uh, that's what Mind Your Motherhood is all about, is being focused in your season, not worrying about what someone else is doing, what they're doing in their home, but what your own motherhood. And we've just kind of come through the elementary and middle school years, and we're heading into high school, and we feel like it was the perfect time to have a conversation with you ladies about the, what you cover on your platform, talking about bodies, sexuality, gender, all those things, um, and so we wanted to have a conversation with you about that. But before we jump into that, our listeners would love to know more about Birds and Bees. Megan, will you tell us how it got started? Sure, I'll I'll do like a a teaser, and then I'll let Mary Flo really mm-hmm. dive in
2: because Mary Flo started Birds and Bees, so. <laughs> I'll let her stay in her lane, or I'll stay in my lane. But um, Birds and Bees started 30 plus years ago with Mary Flo, kind of creating this curriculum to fill a need, uh, fill a void that was, you know, how is she going to teach her kids about sex? And so she started this. I think that's what something a lot of people now with our current community don't necessarily know is that Birds and Bees. What they see on Birds and Bees Instagram is just like the public display of the work that Mary Flo started 30 plus 35 years 1986. Ago? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Take it away, Flo. Tell us about the beginning <laughs> of person. Wow.
3: Well, the genesis of it was I had a 4-year-old and a 1-year-old and they were asking questions. I had grown up in a family that was a totally happy childhood, but this topic never came up. The word sex was never used, proper body parts were never used. Everybody was pretty modest and quiet about that subject. I mean, silent about that subject. So, when my children were asking, mommy, how's that baby getting out of there? How did that baby get in there? I honestly didn't have words to use. And I didn't know if it would be okay. If You know, w- will they be okay if I tell them? And <laughs> what can I tell them? And so my curiosity was like, they're asking now, even though they're four. Yeah. But and, and I'm going to do it differently than my parents, which was to say nothing. But my intention was to have the talk. You know, that was the, the norm. Right. And to mm-hmm. wait until those preteen years. And I thought, this is way before I'm going to be answering them. But I feel like I should answer them now because they're curious. And so that led to a lot of research um, with different pediatricians and different counselors, school counselors, church counselors looking through books, but there was nothing there for parents of preschool to preteen. Wow. And wow. so um, it, it really was a gift from God is all I can say was to consider the first book of Genesis since he announces all of this right up front. He does not hide it in Leviticus, you know, just That's right. right up front. Let me Which tell Which is you, a good
2: book, but not as... <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly.
3: It's got wonderful things, but um, but it was not like he was hiding it for later. It was starting right there in Genesis, and so that was kind of the biblical grounds for it. But it's not. Um, but my audiences were not always going to be people of faith, so I, I really wanted them to feel free to pick up these tips and use them. So. The, the curriculum was really what, what is the main thing you want your children to know about sex if they're growing up in your family and to establish that message. And then from there, you can tell the story of birth, the story of conception, seeds and eggs, vocabulary, you know, talk about all these other things with the basic biology and then your values. So that's how it got started. And it, I really thought I would only do it one time. An organization asked me to do this. And I did it, and then it just kind of grew. Wow, of course.
1: <laughs> of yeah. course, because it's such a need. And and I just love how you said, in Genesis, God doesn't hide it. He just right out of the gate. That's where it comes from. And so I do think as parents, sometimes we feel like we're hiding it from our kids because we don't know how to talk about it with them. So we're so thankful that God gave it to you that many years ago. Well, and
3: I feel like on your pattern of, Now you're in high school, we're kind of messing up your schedule because we're going to throw you way back into preschool and and preteens.
0: So I hope that's okay. No, that is, that's great. Um, And I think that's a good, maybe that's a good jumping off point for us because let's say that we do have moms that are, that have already made it to, you know, their kids are in fifth, sixth, seventh grade and they haven't had quote unquote the talk they haven't um, been laying the foundation that you really promote to lay. And, and we'll kind of jump into that area in a moment. What advice would you give parents who want to do better, you know, probably grew up in a home similar to what you were talking about. And, but they're, you know, they have an 11 or 12 year old and they're like, I just don't even know where to start now.
2: So we, something we always say at birds and bees is sooner is better than later. You know, when parents are like, when do I start? When do I start? So sooner is better than later. But to follow up with that is, later is better than never. Yeah. And So we really want to encourage parents like it is not too late. Now your conversations might have to be a little bit more proactive with those older kids if you kind of feel like you're catching up a bit. You know as opposed to when they're if you're listening right now and you're a mom with a 2-year-old or 3-year-old, you might be able to organically step into these conversations and like look at this apple seed inside this apple and blah, 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 you know these lovely conversations. But if you're looking at a 12 or 13-year-old and you haven't said a word you know, don't let that stop you. You know, I think what we really want parents to feel is encouraged and empowered to be that loving authority. And so if you said nothing, like take the reins back and just be a little bit more forthright with these conversations. You know, sweetheart, ooh, mom has not really um, handled this topic the best that I can, but it is so important to me that you hear from mom and dad because we know a lot more than your friends and your friends are going to say confusing things. They're going to hear confusing things and we want you to know that you can always talk to us. And so to kind of, be a little bit more hard charging with that and kind of take the blame of like, hey, ooh, I could have said something sooner, but I didn't, but it's too important to let it go. So here we go. And then don't dive in and like say everything, you know, don't be like this. And so sit down, cause it's the talk, you know, yeah. again, that's like what we don't want. And so for parents with older kids or parents who feel behind at any stage, we really encourage you to kind of be more forthright with the delivery of these conversations, but also to be more, um, give yourself kind of like a long leash, you know, don't be like, okay, This weekend, when he comes home, we're going to talk about everything. Just say, okay, you know, over the next six months or between now and when he goes to middle school or between now and when she goes to summer camp or whatever the kind of long leash is and then map that expectation out with your child. You know, sweetheart, I've kind of dropped the ball on some of these things, but it's really important to me. So whether you like it or not, we're diving in. And every Tuesday when I take you to dance, You can sit in that back seat. I'll get you Starbucks, so you're happy for a few minutes, (laughs) and then I'm going to cover a few things, and that's it. We're going to talk about it in the car on Tuesdays, and then we're going to pick it up next week. You know, so give yourself this kind of.
1: I love that
2: um, proactive, a little bit more. um, I hate to say bulldozer approach (laughs) because it's not,
0: but it's some of these conversations are going to happen. Gotta jump in. You have to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, do it all
0: once. That's great. So let's say that we do have a mama that's listening and she has a one, two, three-year-old and she's starting to try and formulate, okay, how do we in our home have healthy conversations about bodies and sex and things like that? What are your kind of starting points of what you recommend to moms facilitating healthy conversations about these things?
3: Well, once again, I would go back and give yourself a minute to think through Answering that question, what is the main thing I want my children to know about sex if they're growing up in my family? Because what we want parents to be is proactive and not just reactive. Sometimes parents do hold back and they wait for a word to come up or the questions to come up, mm-hmm. and they don't really have their vocabulary down. They're not really settled on that, and they're just reacting to the next thing they hear, and they think they've had a conversation, and they have, but maybe it's really not covering what you want to cover so for example in our family the message that Dave and I had was that we wanted our children to grow up understanding that sex is a gift from God intended for marriage
1: good that's
3: good one little sentence just kind of the tagline kind of the overarching idea of where these conversations are going so I'm am I going to be talking about the beauty of his design am I going to be talking about um, the gift that this is the boundaries of that gift you know where, where in that, you know in that whole arena are we going? So that I can use those words. So because of that, when children, when our kids would say, "So, mommy, how did that? Is that baby getting out of there?" You can start with, "Sweetheart, I'm so glad you asked." You know what? By God's design, there's a place where a baby grows,
1: mm.
3: and it's called the uterus or the womb. So you start with vocabulary that reflects. That message. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that makes you a little bit more, okay, we are going somewhere with these conversations. So the first step really is not a conversation with your child. It's a really um, thoughtful conversation for yourself. And that gives you more confidence when you're talking to them.
0: I love that. And then just
3: remember, you don't have to talk about the pleasures or the dangers. You're just opening little doors. You're just saying, okay, Look, as Megan just said, you can talk about seeds and eggs. You can talk about potty training. You're talking about vocabulary, your body parts, using the right words, all of those things. Um, we give sample conversations in our course, but it's it's just drip, drip, drip. It's not um, everything out there at the same time. So when they're little, it's vocabulary.
0: And I love that you, when they asked the question, your response was, I'm so glad you asked. yes. <laughs> Because don't you think you know that is so often we're caught off guard and we're like oh uh, I don't know go play <laughs> you know, or go uh, 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 no away yeah when I'll get back when to I you make later. Some cookies yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: exactly
0: and so that it's like oh I'm so you know that it's like oh this is great yeah I'm so glad you asked I think is wonderful hey you mentioned vocabulary what do you feel like are some of the potential pitfalls of not using the correct anatomical words.
2: So I, we really encourage parents to use the anatomically correct words, penis and vagina. Man, um, and then go. oftentimes you get people kind of pushing back. Hope your listeners have their <laughs> earbuds on. Although these are not bad words. So That's right. That's words, right. They're not bad parts. That's We always remind our parents. Right. So I will remind myself. So sometimes parents will say, well, don't you think you should use the word vulva and not the word vagina? And so we always say, you know, to each their own. That was a question you probably never gotten 20, 30 years ago. No, no. People were all, <laughs> no. that was beyond. Yeah, beyond. Okay, well, now I get lots of questions. Don't you mean vulva? Don't you mean vulva? Um, so this is something I'm very aware of now. <laughs> but um, we are sticking to our guns, and we're going to stick with vagina because, A, it's more, you know, just, I think, culturally accepted as a word, at least in our world. More people are like, oh, yeah, vagina and penis, that's great. Where vulva, they're kind
1: of like, no, tell me again. What, <laughs> what's that called, vulva? Oh, my gosh. It I'm is- sitting here thinking the same thing to myself. Like, okay, well, I, for anyone
2: okay. else is quietly wondering, I was like, <laughs> quick little lesson is the vagina is technically the internal female reproductive organ and the vulva is the external. And I apologize for
1: the <laughs> hand motions. I just yes. but Y'all all can't okay. see this, but we got some good hand motions going yeah, on.
2: Got- <laughs> um, oh, help us here. Okay. So the vulva is the external thing. So they're saying when you're talking to a young child in the bathtub or potty training or whatever, and you say, oh, that's your vagina, sweetheart. That's a private part. They're saying, well, actually you can't see someone's vagina, which is technically true. But what we're leaning on is the word vagina is more, you know, commonly accepted as far as like vocabulary words. Um, and we are all about having a little by little approach, a building block mm-hmm. approach. And so if your child has the word vagina in their vocabulary, that's actually very helpful for future conversations mm-hmm. about um, reproduction, about the story of birth, um, about periods, um, conception. There's lots of building blocks with the word vagina. So eventually, do we want you to introduce the word vulva and all these other fun words like labia? or sure please do it. But um, does that have to start with that? No, you don't have to start with that. So back to why we do these words, right? Why is this important? Mm -hmm. Um, It's twofold. And really it's one, like I said, these are building blocks. We don't want our kids to think that penis and vagina are words that we don't say. You know, when it comes to kids and body parts, particularly private parts, they're going to naturally err on two sides. Super silly, which I don't have to explain that. you all know if you have children, they're going to be super silly about private parts. But also... Private parts can sometimes be really shameful and embarrassing, uh-huh. yeah, and a secret. Like, oh shit, that's your private. We don't talk about that, or don't say those words, or whatever. And then, the, if we enhance the silliness with wingy wangy words, you know, that is just kind of enhancing that silliness. And so, we want to just be medical and respectful and kind of fall back in the middle. Of like, this is what it is. These are part body parts. God gave you these body parts. These are not bad things. And so, to kind of help put them in their place, um, using the medical and respectful words. And then, the most important thing we're trying to do when we use words like penis and vagina is really for their safety. Um, if you speak to anyone who is an expert in sexual abuse, they will tell you the number one thing that we as parents can do to protect our kids is to use the anatomically correct words to let our children know what those body parts are called and then to clearly label them as private. And so what we're trying to do is encourage parents to have a tone in their home where it is like, this is something we talk about. You know, these are not, this is not off-limits. This is not secret words. These are not secret parts. You know, this is something we talk about at home. So if, God forbid, something happened, your child would know, oh, that's a very clear line that I know is crossed. And I know my parents talk to me about this stuff. And so what you're doing is just giving your children information and, you know, the power, of hopefully, to know kind of a lifeline. If this happens, I do this. You know, so in the bathtub, you're having conversations. Oh, the sweetheart, that's your penis. That's a private part. That means nobody else can look at, touch, or take pictures of. And these are conversations we're having often in our home. And so we're kind of trying to help let them know this is something that we talk about. Because what you don't want is for um, your child to be in a situation where a line is crossed and they feel funny about it, but they don't know what to do. You know, why did that feel weird? What was wrong about that? You know, so we as parents have to be kind of black and white with these conversations. And so using the correct vocabulary with those body part words, penis and vagina, um, is a really excellent and very
1: important, like, first step. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard those two words said so frequently. So many times Is before. it just
0: like not a trigger for you at all anymore? You know, like you just or, no. Or.
2: Y'all, mm-hmm. honestly, then you're not hanging out around us a lot. Because I, <laughs> I, when I do see people in public and they're like, "Oh my gosh, are you birds and bees?" I'm like, "Yes, penis, penis, penis." <laughs> and they're always, like, "Oh my god, yes, that's you. So and she, I love it. This. So this was kind of yeah I think for her. her. Yeah. Penis is a new word in my vocabulary. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, and now.
3: Now she has boys, and yeah. it is now that it's silly word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. a
0: lot about I had never said the word. I, I don't, like, I literally don't think I had ever said the word until I had a boy. <laughs> and then I, I knew. I to read the word. I blushed if I read the yes. word. Yes. Like in medical so,
1: textbooks in college, just, I remember going, turn the page, turn the page. It's <laughs> a lot. It's a lot. I but love- we don't want
3: to pass. Have- that along. Some things, yes, that's how we grew up. That's what we're used to. That's what we're comfortable with. But you do have to sit down and say, is that going to stay in the baggage of this train that's Mm -hmm. going down to my children? Or do I need to take that bag out Mm -hmm. and really put in a healthier attitude, a a healthier approach? Because otherwise, I'm just passing along what I got without considering, well, what benefit was that? Mm -hmm. You know, We want that to be respectful and correct and that one thing, one great benefit is that if you talk about it often enough, then if, like Megan said, if a line is crossed or they feel funny about something, they totally feel comfortable telling you. That's right. Because you have talked to them. So, mm-hmm.
1: Mary Flo, have you seen a change in culture? Like since you started this in 1986 to 2023, do you feel like the conversation has shifted in a positive way? Do you even feel like what's happening in our world today with all of the transgender stuff has really changed the way parents are approaching this subject with their kids?
3: I do think a lot has changed. But what I'm seeing in a, from a positive way is that parents are more desirous to know how to do this. Mm-hmm. They, are, mm-hmm. they are seeing culture shifts that they feel out of control about. Yeah. And they yeah. want to take more of a direct approach with their children. And they are seeking out this information much more. I think parents a generation back felt like, yeah, I can get to that, you know, but now I feel like this generation feels invaded by the culture on Mm -hmm. some things that they, if they want to get ahead of it, they're going to have to start early. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. in a way, it's kind of like for such a time as this, it's, this is a great time in our culture for parents to be equipped, to be encouraged, and to really have the confidence to do this, and nobody's going to do it perfectly. I also think parents were waiting for the perfect time, waiting for the perfect moment, um, wanting to do it perfectly, and what we're hopefully freeing up for parents is if you start early, your kids really don't know if you messed up because the next day you can say it again. That's right. And and if you do mess up in a conversation when they're a preteen, you can think about it and go back and say, wait, can I circle back on that because I feel like What I wanted to say was this, but it came out like that. And so I don't think parents are. So, yes, the the messages from the culture have changed in an, but in a good way, as a result, parents want to do this.
0: Last year, our kids came home from Vacation Bible School with certificates for free kids meals from Cane's, and they were over the moon about it. And so were we. Canes was happy to help support our church because we went to canesandcommunity.com, created a profile, and let them know of our need. If your child is on a sports team, your school is doing a fundraiser or a reading challenge, or your place of worship needs a donation, discounted meal, or free meal vouchers, you need to check out canesandcommunity.com. Create a profile and enter your request. Someone from their team will reach out to you, and they can even work with you to help get creative about what may be best for your organization. Now, back to the show. Do you guys, um, how much do you speak to, you know, especially as we're talking about the culture and things like that, you know, younger and younger, our children are having to consider their sexual orientation, you know, at a, at a, honestly wildly young age you know we're having elementary school students that are starting to think about are they are they one gender or another or are they going to be attracted to one gender or another and to to your point I feel like parents have just kind of been thrown in the deep end in this area especially like us that have kids in our home that we're raising up this was not something that we dealt with growing up and so now we're having to navigate and pioneer something that to your point, we don't feel equipped to have the language around. And then if you kind of do make a stance or you you have a particular way you believe, then it, you know, you could seem like a bigot or you, your child gets ostracized and things like that. So how much are you guys stepping into that space and helping parents navigate some of those questions that these kids are dealing with?
3: Well, it's not in the course. That's mm-hmm. how recent this is. Okay be perfectly honest. There's not a section on, um, on gender in our course. And that was what, three years ago? Mm-hmm. So almost four. Almost four. And so it's very, mm-hmm. um, it's something that we didn't get asked about very long ago. But once again, I think the best way is to assure them of the foundation if it's from a biblical point of view to really focus on like Psalm 139, you were fearfully and wonderfully made and, and Psalm 100, you made us and not our own, you know, we didn't make ourselves, you made us. And to talk about the things that God decided for you before you were ever born, mm-hmm. you know, right. some things were already decided yeah. and, or, or even with a, a child, Oh, they're having a gender reveal party. What does that mean? That means they can look inside, even in their blood and find out what gender they are gender means male female gen means beginning it's from the beginning you know what your gender is and it's in every single cell so what you want to do is to combine science and the wonder of creation when they're little to affirm their gender and then let the spectrum be not of genders but of personalities Mm -hmm. you know and so yes that and And then the third component is probably that I would want parents to do is to be sympathetic with anyone that's confused about that. Mm -hmm. Not to be against them, but to understand there are people who are genuinely confused. I am so sorry that they are because there's really not a lot to be confused about. Mm -hmm. That's something they can know that Mm -hmm. they are born that way Mm -hmm. and that there's no medicine or surgery that will change that. Mm -hmm. So once again, the tone to be sympathetic, low-key, but affirming.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: And I think it gives parents, I think our, I think our generation can kind of feel um, overwhelmed a little bit with all this and kind of like, well, what do I say? How do I not offend people? And so I think with all things, we say this a lot, but is to speak the truth and act in love, you know, and to like move towards your conversation. Like don't shy away from this topic in your home, you know, specifically with gender, kind of going back to even how we handle the topic of sex, ask yourself, ask your spouse if you're married, you know, like, what do I believe about gender? Mm. What do I believe about that? Mm. And then from that conviction or those beliefs that we have in our home, how can I move towards my kids with conversations about gender and not shy away from that? And how can like, I move towards those conversations, but then also engage with what's going on around us. And like Mary Flo said, move, um, open up conversations with empathy, you know, like, gosh, that must be really hard to feel that way. Mm. So what can we do? Okay. But what do we know is true? you know, and kind of hold that balance between um, the truth. Because I think the problem is a lot of parents um, are afraid to kind of stand on something. And if we're not standing on anything, we have no foundation. And so we're getting easily caught up in this rush of, I don't know, trendy culture. Yeah, exactly. It's not dismiss it. I mean, obviously, it's happening. And I think even as believers, I think we have to be very mindful of like, this will happen. You know, this could be a couple in your small group who has a child that's really struggling. This could be your next door neighbor. This could be your Bible study leader. This is not, you know, something right. that Christians won't deal with. So we don't need to get all high and mighty about it. That's right. But um, we also don't need to shy away from it and kind of be like, well, this is, this is what we believe and this is the truth. Yeah. But, man, that must be really hard.
3: Mm-hmm. That's great. So and friendly. let them see you move to that gay couple down the street or to someone in your family who is gay. Let them see you move towards them in love and caring about them in conversations with them over the holidays and, and being sincerely, humbly engaged. Mm-hmm. And yet mm-hmm. speaking the truth to your children about those things. Let's go to God's word. Mommy, is, is, that's where I get my truth. Yeah. So let's mm-hmm. look in this truth and know that we all step over boundaries that God has set up for mm-hmm. us. So
0: I I love what you're saying, and you've now said it kind of twice in two different ways about before you're acting that you are taking the time to reflect on your own and in your family, what do we believe, what's important to us, Mm -hmm. and man, is that so important in the world that we live in right now Mm -hmm. because we just live in the TikTok generation of like we are getting indoctrinated with what we're supposed to believe about things based on people we don't know. You know, um organizations that we're not familiar with all kinds of things, and we're we're letting it plant seeds in in how we perceive and act in the world instead of sitting down as a mom or as a husband and wife and saying, "Okay, what do we believe about this? What does the Bible say about it, and then therefore acting out of those beliefs mm-hmm. so I have kind of one more heavy question to ask you about. I didn't really mean for this to be so heavy, um <laughs> but I wanted to ask about. What kind of things do you encourage parents with to help protect their children against pornography um, and safeguard their children?
3: Well, we we talk a lot about we that. Did, yeah. And the, the yeah. one thing you were asking about how things have changed. This used to be sort of we put this in the preteen category mm-hmm. years ago, like now before they become a teenager, they need to know about porn. But that's not the place for it now. That's yeah. right. It's, because the average age of the first viewing is age eleven, so that's an average, which means there are eight-year-olds who probably accidentally, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, because of screens, will see some porn. So you have to anticipate that. Mm-hmm. And I'll let Megan. Megan is really good at this. Okay. She's, no, no, well, she helped me. No, no, it was a big help <laughs> because we. It was like, where can we put this? And. Um, the research that's coming out is just so profound. And I never remember the research. That's numbers, quite all so. right. You,
2: you nailed it with that 11, that the average age of first viewing is 11. And y'all know how averages work. So it just means it's happening even younger than 11 mm-hmm. in some cases. And so we just encourage parents to talk to their kids about pornography. And I know you're probably sitting there listening, thinking like, uh, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do that. But really it, it is just to view it differently It's like, We need to talk to our young kids about the dangers in their day-to-day life. And as moms, we do that with everything. Um, You know, like if their little kids are in the kitchen and they're walking around, oh, sweetheart, be really careful. The stove is really hot. You know, that is just something we say. Do we say it once? No, we say every time we're cooking in the kitchen. Do we pull up a picture of third-degree burns and like horrify them with a visual? Absolutely not, (laughs) you know? But in age-appropriate ways, we are alerting them of the dangers in their day-to-day life. You know, we do this crossing the street, swimming in the swimming pool, all those things. And these are not a one-and-done conversation. So the same is with um, internet safety or pornography. Like, sweetheart, there are some really fun things on these um, devices, but there are also some really scary things. You know, are there good pictures and bad pictures is a great place to start. You know, um, so just engaging in these conversations and giving them a game plan. You know, if you see something that kind of gives you a pit in your tummy, or if you see something on a screen that makes you want to turn your eyes and look away, or if you see a picture of people's private parts. Remember, we never look at somebody else's private parts. So if you see something like that, you need to stop and come and tell me. And just like going ahead of these situations, we always say, like, we preempt to protect, um, and that is what we're doing. And so, again, encouraging parents to have these conversations when your kids are three or four and they're playing with the iPad in the waiting room or something like, okay, here you go, but mommy's gonna type in the code because we gotta be really careful with what we see. Mm. Just layering in these conversations of like, this is a tool that's part of our daily life. Keeping this out of here completely, some people are like, well, that's it. My kids are never having a phone. It's like, okay, that's cool. But it's probably not going to happen, and that's not really helpful. You know, mm-hmm. this is part of our day-to-day life. Like, my job's on my phone. Um, my whole school calendar's on the phone. My, I'm practicing your dad and these moms or whatever. Like, a lot of our lives are on on technology. It's not a bad thing, but we need to be very, very mindful um, as we're raising our children that there are some dangerous things on there, and we've got to be very careful.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy addictive. I mean, Megan, haven't they come out and isn't it similar to being, you know, like addicted to cocaine? Doesn't it affect your brain the same way? I feel like I've read things about the way that it it just becomes so addictive um, and it so quickly is, causes mm-hmm. so much damage to our children.
2: So much damage. And there's a, a resource I would recommend as the expert. It's called Fight the New Drug org. Um, they're an amazing organization and they're treating pornography as our generation's drug. And just to your point, it talks they talk all about it's a great re- website for adults, but um, it talks all about what pornography does to the mind, to the body, um, you know, the dopamine hits, all those things, the addictive tendencies it has. Um, so it's really I think it's very helpful to, just like all these other topics, for us as parents, particularly with your spouse, engage on this topic with your spouse too. You know, uh, we always say like the devil loves the darkness, and yeah. I think what he wants us to do is just be like, "Ooh, ooh can't talk about this. This yeah. is awkward, and comfortable, and horrific, and very dark." But really, it's like just turning the lights on and yes. just engaging in this topic,
3: and to remember that this is no longer about you and your past. Mm-hmm but them and their future. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes we think about things in our past that maybe we engaged in or, or thought about or, or things were different then, or you know, somebody looked at a, a Playboy or whatever that mm-hmm. was. This is now no longer about you and nothing you did in your past disqualifies you from parenting about this topic. It only serves to let you know, it's now about your children and their future. What do you wish you had known? What do you wish you had understood? And you don't really have to tell details of your past, but you need to think what did I learn from that? Mm -hmm. What did I learn from that? And how can I share that? That's great.
1: Y'all have got so many good practical prompts for parents. Mamas, I want you to know that if you follow them on social media, Megan does these amazing little short conversations where she just (laughs) picks up a conversation with her kid on social media. And it's amazing to me how you're able to integrate these truths into literally everyday conversations. It's not like you said, like, we're going to have this talk on Saturday evening with like cookies and cake. It's like just standing (laughs) around the kitchen. You just talk to your kids about this. I think because I've got teenagers right now, the bigger deal with them is not the what or the how, but it's the why. Like, why are we keeping sex Till marriage, why it's this idea that they see other people having it or enjoying it now, and they don't seem to be harmed by it. So why Mm -hmm. am I waiting? What would you say to help parents with that question? Well, I think
3: what you want to do is think about. There's so many ways you could go about that, but what what you want them to do is understand what is the purpose of sex. Mm -hmm. Like it is for oneness in marriage. It is a, it is a, a bonding device that, that God invented to make such a special oneness, oneness um, physically. You should never give your whole body unless you're giving your whole life. And so what your friends might be experiencing is something that when they do get married, that adhesive of the oneness has kind of been broken a little bit. Or um, it's not that they are not going to have a happy marriage someday. Hopefully they will. But it, this is going to sound very old-fashioned, but, but it's biblical. Keep the marriage bed pure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's really your—right now you're practicing faithfulness to your future spouse. Oh, that's good. So if you're practicing faithfulness now to them, they can be assured of your—more assured of your faithfulness once you are married. To say that there are some things I'm going to wait to do with my spouse, not wait so it will be wonderful. Don't promise that. You don't know what their sex life is going to be. But you know, like the promise ring thing. But instead, wait because that's what it was designed for, mm-hmm. and so you are practicing faithfulness. What will it feel like for your spouse, your future spouse, to have practiced faithfulness, and for you all to discover this for yourselves? Mm-hmm. So. Um, you bring a lot of strangers into your marriage bed if you've had a lot of experiences. And yeah. a lot of of people look back and think that this isn't the same as that. They're comparing. And it's better to just grow up in that area together. I mean, there are a lot of things. It's It's hard to explain why you should wait for a lot of things. But I think that one is a good way to put it to practice faithfulness.
1: That's great. Well, and that's exactly what the culture is trying to tell our kids is that you can change your mind later. You can try Mm -hmm. it now. And then when you get married, you can change your mind. And I love what you said. It's actually a practice in faithfulness before you're married, that if you can make that decision now and hold pure, it's just going to strengthen the bond that you have later. So that that's wonderful. I love that. And I would take two and
2: sorry, like kind of zooming out a little bit. Like Mary Flo was saying, it's like, well, what is the purpose of sex? What do we believe that it is? And obviously it is unity and, you know, oneness and marriage and procreation and all those things. But to kind of, I love how you said faithfulness to the future. And a word I would really encourage you to use in a lot of these conversations with teens and stuff is self-control. You know, that is such, um, that's a very biblical, you know, guidelines that we've been given as believers is to have self-control and what are are we giving into like the world's understanding of sex that it's like this on-demand action and it's very selfish i want it i get it and i get it whenever i want it you know that is a very world cultural worldview of what sex is and that's not how it works even within marriage mm-hmm. you know that's right. not how it works yeah i you know and so you the self-control or the discipline or the selflessness the faithfulness this is all habits you're building for the rest of your life sex will never become that I want it I get it unless you're completely on your own living in a completely worldview Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. and that's so disappointing yeah you know Mm -hmm. and I'm going to give you one more word picture
3: and that is three little concentric circles when children are young we like to focus on the beauty of God's design let's talk about we have a beautiful story to tell Mm -hmm. let's tell it this is a beautiful thing and then, as they get older, you talk about the boundaries because in Genesis God gave boundaries to every single thing He created, and the boundaries are to really nourish the beauty, protect the beauty, and um, and let it be more fruitful. Because if it's if it has no boundaries, it's it's a lot of times is not fruitful, and so the beauty, the boundaries, and then the brokenness, which is where we all live. We live in a broken world. We are broken people. And we tend to jump outside those boundaries and do something because we want to, or just, you know, we are not Mm self-disciplined or faithful. And so we need God, but God is the last B. So beauty, boundaries, brokenness, but God can bring us back to a place of beauty. Like Mm -hmm. there's not this is not the unforgivable sin if you do decide to have sex outside of marriage, but you're extend, you're, you're, you're really um, not helping to protect that beauty. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. So
3: that's good. Um, mm-hmm. they need to know that it is beautiful. It does have boundaries. We live in brokenness. You're going to mess up in some way. Maybe you'll go too far. Wish you had done something different. Just know that God can redeem that, mm-hmm. and that's redeemable.
1: Yes. I
2: think, too, just like the basic facts of like, one reason we don't want you to be sexually active, let me tell you how sex works. You know you can get pregnant. Like that is like, do you know how this facts work? You know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes teenagers are actually clueless of like how it actually works. Like, okay, well, this is a huge risk you're taking. This is for your good, you know? And again, mm-hmm. never to dismiss the fact that Christ redeems all things. You know, this is not the right. sin of all sins um, or unforgivable sin, but just to kind of help make sure they understand too, like this is another aspect of this. Like this is a real reality here. So. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. I know it's like it's fun and exciting, and like um, you're thinking over here with this brain. But like, have you thought about this over here right. too? Like, this is
3: the way it's it works. A, it's a very adult decision, so maybe talk to a teenager about what, how do adults who are making healthy decisions, how do they make decisions? Mm-hmm. Because this is an adult decision. You're doing a very adult thing. Your friends are engaging in very adult behavior, mm-hmm. but a, an adult, what does an adult do? An adult might buy a house. So, But they just don't drive by and go, that is a cute house. Let's sell everything and buy it. Mm -hmm. They can't just think about what's the down payment. Oh, I can afford that. Yes, but what are the future payments? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so this is like they're seeing sex as, oh, this is just a one-night episode. Mm -hmm. And they're not seeing, oh, how many years will I pay for that? Yeah, And Mm -hmm. um, you have to consider all that as an adult. You have to consider not just what happens today with this decision, but how is this going to play out in the future? So Mm -hmm. what you're talking about disease. What what are the possible consequences?
0: That's great. Isn't that
3: fun? Well, yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, you know, but I would love for us to wrap up. I loved you had a post called, um, tis the season for talking to your kids about consent. (laughs) And I thought that was so great. And I would love for us to just take a moment because I think this is something, especially right now in the holiday season, that is like a little tool moms can put in their pocket. Um, as we talk about, you, you know, really your post was about seeing all these family members and they want to hug on your child and put them in their lap and things like that. Uh, my youngest especially is very shy and can kind of come across as cold or, and I'm always wanting, you know, I'm like, go give them a hug. Yeah. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> right. Be a nice person, you know? Right. Um. So what kind of, you know, as we're driving to grandma's house for Thanksgiving um, and we're just kind of having those, as you go conversations with them, what are kind of, what's some of the language that we can give our kiddos as they approach this?
2: So again, we want to kind of preempt to prepare, preempt to protect. And so we're going to go ahead. So, so just like you said, like on the way to this event, not like in the moment or whatever, but on the way to the event, or you know, you're getting dressed, we're like, okay, guys, we're going to see a bunch of family members. They're going to probably want to give you guys a lot of hugs and kisses because they have not seen you all year. But if you are not comfortable giving hugs and kisses, that is okay. What is something else we can do to show a greeting? You know that would still have manners. You know, think our fear as parents like, oh, they're gonna have bad manners, you know, or oh, they're gonna be disrespectful or hurt feelings or whatever, you know. And so I think we need to give alternatives and again spell it out with kids. Just be like, if you don't want to give her a hug or a kiss, what are some other options we could do? How about um, a high five or a wave? If you don't want to make any contact, maybe some um, a fist bump. You know, what are some other options that we could do? when we see all these aunts and uncles, you know, and so your kids are aware of these situations, and then just be mindful in the moment too, you know, and kind of sometimes speak up on behalf of your children in front of the other adults, because I think it's also important to say, and I, I said this sometime earlier this week on this post, it's like, in defense of all grandmothers, <laughs> like, I do think, <laughs> I do think, We could also assume the best. Now, if you have red flags in your family or there's a history of abuse or you have any sort of gut instinct that you as a mom about certain relatives, like, do not ignore that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying, generally speaking, don't assume the best. And so if grandma goes home for a big old wet kiss or hug or whatever it is, and your child's like, you know, don't assume that this is like a red flag abuse. You know, don't assume the worst. Just speak up and be like, oh, mom, you know, I'm so sorry. She's not, you know, quite ready to give out hugs or kisses. Sweetheart, did you want to give grandma a high five or a hug or or, or a wave? Yeah. And kind of let them know like, oh, okay, cool. And like in most healthy family situations, eventually that child will warm up and, you know, show love and respect to that grandparent. That is how healthy relationships work. But it does not have to be forced right away. And so what we're doing is encouraging parents to go ahead of these situations. And really what you're doing is laying a foundation for conversations about consent Because you are in charge of your body. um, And if you don't have to hug or kiss somebody, if you don't want to. That's so good. So if if we're bulldozing past those barriers, we're really not teaching them healthy body boundaries. And so we're going to go ahead of them. And especially with the holidays coming up, go ahead of them in these situations and say, if you don't want to give out hugs and kisses, that's okay. But here are some alternatives. And then in that moment, reminding those alternatives in front of the other adults, because they might just be learning for the first time, too. Of like, oh, okay, well, I just wanted a hug, you know. Yeah. Right. You don't know. And yeah. so just assume the best and be speak very clearly. Yeah. And and also, I think just as a grandmother
3: that it is probably not a bad idea to say, you know, it, we have this one and he's just not, he takes a while to warm up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could you help me? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And not push it yeah. <laughs> right at the beginning, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. before he leaves. And, and if the, if you find that this is constantly a thing, maybe even if you have time, it's the holidays, I know you may not, the day before, would you like to make a, a card for mm-hmm. Uncle Jack? Because, you know, he he's just crazy about you. Yeah. And, and you don't have to hug and kiss him when you get there, but maybe you could hand him a little card, mm-hmm. you know, or something like, do something to make them thoughtful to that person so that that great grandmother mm-hmm. who has funny teeth and doesn't, they don't <laughs> want to be close to her. Yeah. When, not in the great-grandmother
0: category. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about, like, I'm flashing back to, like, my Thanksgiving, y'all. My granny was East Texas, and she dipped snuff. And, okay. so, there you <laughs> go. and so so when you would go to hug her, you know, it was just, it, and, you know, she'd lay a big a kiss, now. ma'am, and it was like, you know, I wish somebody told me I could have fist-bumped that woman. <laughs>
1: That is amazing.
3: But it was a rule of life. Like you had to go kiss everybody. Yes. That's one of those things you may want to take off the train. Yeah. You know, that's not necessarily, Mm -hmm. even in your own home, tickling, when, when, um, when daddy's tickling, wear them out at night, Dave would throw the kids on the bed nicely. But, you know, like they would just wrestle and tickling. And one time from the other room, I was folding clothes and I heard one of the kids say, stop. And daddy said, Oh, you like this. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh Sure. And my brain went, ding. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. What do you think that's, what is that teaching? Yeah. What is that teaching? Someday if she says no in a car and he says, oh, you really like this, Mm -hmm. what is that teaching? So we have to teach you say no and people that love you stop immediately. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's great. You know? That love you and care about you. Stop. Yeah, that's so. It's it's such a little thing, but it's it it kind of gets in their brain. Mm -hmm. So yeah,
0: yeah, and has long term implications. Yeah. Hey, you ladies are incredible, incredible. Thank (laughs) you for the work that you're doing. (laughs) We covered a lot, (laughs) a a lot, a lot. I know we told you we were like, oh, this would be thirty minutes. No, I don't know how long we've been going. But our moms are gonna love
1: this though. The ones that are listening, even right now, because this is playing somewhere in somebody's car. They're just like the nuggets. They're just storing away all these great nuggets of truth. The words you guys use were yeah. so practical and helpful. Yeah. Things that as a mom we can easily implement in our homes. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And we're going well, to put- we?
3: Go yeah. Can we um, have a shameless uh, commercial? Yes. No, I want you yes, to. do right. it. Okay. Yes. Please do. Perfect. Yes.
2: Okay. So our- you can find our online course at birds-bees.com. And, you know, everything. We cover so many things from preteen, uh, preschool to preteen with Practical tips and sample scripts and so much more. Um, It takes just an over an hour to watch it. So you can find it at birds-bees.com. And spoiler alert, we're having our biggest sale of the year next week for Black Friday. So don't buy it today. (laughs) Buy it next week. But um, once you buy it, you have lifetime access. so You can watch it again and again because it really is helpful to listen to it, you know, one year and then maybe two years later as your youngest is going through kindergarten or whatever it is, just kind of like have refreshers. Um, and then if you want to follow us on social media and hear more of these little um, tidbits, you can do it at birds underscore, underscore bees. <laughs>
0: Love. And we'll put all that in the show notes. So they have real easy links and we'll, we'll have all that on our social and everything. We really, we've been fans of you guys for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so, so thankful to finally get to have a conversation with you and pass along some of your knowledge to our mamas. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I know this has been a great chat. Thank you guys. Good. Today's daily toast from Canes is in honor of Toast, really, because we know that bread or toast is all our children are going to eat this Thanksgiving, no matter how many hours we slaved in the kitchen. But also today, we want to toast to what, Rebecca?
1: We are also toasting to takeout because after we have slaved in the kitchen for all those wonderful Thanksgiving menu items, nobody wants to cook after that. So we're all going to get takeout this weekend and I am headed to Cane's to get my family some chicken and toast. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving, moms.